neba. O Andrew, you're a hero, pal. Thanks for smart water. Can we stand in God's presence for a moment? And uh, thanks, guys. And uh, let us pray. Father, with all our hearts, we love you. When we didn't believe we were worth it, you came searching. And you put your hand on our life. You put your hallmark on our life. And you ain't finished with us yet. So we welcome you, Father. We welcome your presence. We welcome your love. We welcome your Holy Spirit. We welcome you, King Jesus. And we want to thank you for the honor, the privilege, and the delight to sit in freedom in your presence. Our futures do not hinge on Brexit or Brentry of any kind. Our futures don't hinge on being in or out. Our futures hinge on down, oh God. Our futures depend on one single thing, whether you come down in all your power, in all your glory, in all your presence, and invade our lands, invade our hearts, invade our cities like never before. And we thank you for the moment you invaded our lives and our hearts. From the bottom of our hearts, we applaud you and give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give it up for what God. Come on, let's give it up, guys. Let's give it up. Let's give it up for God. All right, if you take your seats and open your Bibles at Exodus 19, please. As you're looking for that, I mentioned last week something, and you know, have you ever said something, and the minute you say it, you go, I don't know if that's right or not. That was maybe a little bit over the top, but I, I said last week, if you go home and your house is burnt to the ground with a new heart, you can praise the living God that your neighbor's safe. Forty hours later, our good friends, Dr. Fred and Nellie Roberts, who pastor six churches in Durban, 40 hours later, 84 years of age, they stood weeping all day as their house of God, their, they call, that they call it the, the church, burnt to the ground, burnt, and they lost absolutely everything. A church building it, it's not just the largest building in South Africa, it's the largest structure of its kind in the Southern Hemisphere. That's how big it is. You know, the devil's been trying to divide that church up and beat it up and get it to separate, but you know what happened? The outcome of that was when I flipped on Facebook the next night, there was 84-year-old Fred and Nelly and thousands of his people standing there and they did exactly what we said last Sunday morning. They stood there praising God as their house of God was burning to the ground. This morning, I got one of these things that flag up. I'm not quite sure they work, but it's, it's like live. And here they are, all six churches, gathering as one in the Shark Stadium, 
praising and worshiping God and having a worship moment like you can imagine. Let's give it up to God for some great saints, our brothers and sisters around the world that are demonstrating the stuff. But I want to take us to Exodus 19 and as I came to the men's gathering on Thursday, I said, oh man, I need something. I need something right now. I don't know if it's an ice cream or a bridey or a word for God, but, and I flipped, managed to get a chance to flip on Alan Kelly's sermon from two weeks ago uh, about naming the moment. And it, and it was amazing, it was brilliant because within five, 10, 15 minutes of listening to that, and hearing the amazing testimonies of when the glory of God came down. You know, our, every single thing, illness, stuff, just fell away. And I was having a moment of fire as the fire and the presence of God came into the car. It was just absolutely awesome. And then I listened to the scriptures he used and... Uh, I discovered I just pretty much re-preached his sermon last week because I hadn't listened to it beforehand. But it was, it was just marvelous. And uh, as, as I was preparing for this, a strange thing happened. Because you remember last week we were talking about the heart of stone and a little two-year-old grandchild of ours did a weird thing the next day. She didn't even hear the sermon. But she, she kicked off this weird ritual in her house. We were all sitting gathered, the family, and she had this rich mission to go to the garden and hunt high and low for a stone that was appropriate for each person. Uh, some of us even got two. I wouldn't even mention who they were. And some got a little stone, and some got a great big stone. And, and you couldn't stop her. She's on a mission. And everybody was presented with a stone, and I said, oh, God, <laughs> what are you trying to say? Are you reminding us we all have hearts of stones? And he says, no, I'm, I'm reminding you pretty much of what Alan preached on 1 Peter 2.9, that you guys are living stones. And so we're going to come back to that in a moment because... God is so great, He prepares us, but this is what the Lord said to me as I was listening to it. He said, when a moment becomes a movement, God's heart begins to leap. When a moment becomes a movement and gathers momentum, and every moment when God has come down in history, every moment that he's come down in your life, these great, great testimonies coming back from different conferences around the world and for the ladies that cherish and all the great moments. I love what Mel said is that the moment started on the train and then she finished by saying something about it moving on from here. She had my attention, and, um, and I'm wanting to say when you look in history, and I'm looking at the Brexit thing, and I'm following it left, right, and center, but I'm, in my heart of hearts, I'm thinking, 
He's going to make some changes either way, but I'm telling you what, the, th- the thing is so screwed up. The leaders are so screwed up in such a mess. Whether they're led by a Brussels sprout or a British sprout. Unless there's a move of God in the hearts of men and women, we're screwed. We've had it. Laws, morals, all kinds of things. And, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking the question as I was listening to Ellen's sermon, what's the blue touch paper? What is it in history and Scripture that takes a moment, whether it be a moment God touches you in private or at a conference or on the street, what turns a moment, what's the blue touch paper that turns a moment into a movement? Because from the day we started in this church, it has been our dream that we would see a move of God We drank the stories of history. We drank the revivals. We drank the testimonies of the Holy Spirit. We drank of the moments when God shows up. And you could have your plans and your techniques and your blue lights or green lights it is today, you know, whatever it is. But but things are going to change forever when this nation this city and this people see a move of God. And we can, if you ask somebody in the street, a believer, what would bring about a move of God? If all the Christians in Scotland walked the land and prayed, would that do it? Maybe. If all the Christians in Scotland knocked every door and told people about Jesus, would that do it? Maybe. If all the people in this nation that know God got fasting and praying for 42 days, would that do it? Maybe. But I'm telling you something, unless three things happen, all you'll do is dance from the totem pole, and there will be no move of God. But I'm believing in my age to still see the goodness of God and the land of the living as long as I'm alive. Anybody else want to see that? Come on. Anybody else want to see a move of God? I'm talking a move of God. But God radically impacts our hearts and impacts our friends and impacts our neighbors. A supernatural, supernatural visitation from the living God in history and in Scripture. There's moves of God. There's moves of God that are mind-blowing. And we see one in Acts 19. And don't switch off, please, until you've heard the whole thing. Don't come to this table with your mind already fixed on what's what and what's not what. Because the chances are, I see some of the most enthusiastic men and women of God doing unbelievable things. They have knowledge that could lace my boots and yours put together. And yet I see these three things are missing. I see them missing. And I, I bleed for them. And I bleed for me. And as I'm sharing these three things, they're things for me as much as anybody else. But a movement that becomes a momentum is what God's after. And he visits. We've seen visitations in history where he just comes down. 
and it touches a people. And most times I've read when God's come down and its revivals exploded, usually, very often, is to a few beaten up, exhausted, in some cases old, discouraged, disappointed, despairing, despairing, despairing people. In some cases, in one of the last ones in Scotland, it was a couple of old ladies. Uh, a couple of old ladies got together to pray. God shows up. God shows up. And it's in those moments of utter despair when you read through history, the heavens have opened and the glory of God has come down in an explosive fashion. Let's have a look in Scripture and see if we can see what turns a moment into a movement. What is it? Ewan said something this morning about we are saved. Fantastic. Let me just throw a little question on that. As far as getting to heaven, if you're saved, you're pretty much all the way there. But in terms of fulfilling the purposes of God, you don't have to be there. I'm just stirring up a little bit, you know, to keep some of you awake maybe before we get started. If you're saved and you died, truly saved right now, you're with the Father in glory. But you could be saved and completely miss a move of God and the purposes of God. Exodus 19. Check out this moment when God came down. On the first day of the third month, the Israelites left Egypt, and on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. <laughs> they came to a barren place. On that, after they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then the mountain, the, then Moses went up to God. The, the mountain didn't go up to God, don't the Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. He said, this is what you're to say to the descendants of Jacob. You're to tell the people, you yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt, and how I carried you on eagle's wings, and I brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully, now, if you obey me fully in my covenant, then out of all the nations, you, out of all the nations, all of them, you, will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nations. And these are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and he summoned all the elders of the people and they set before him all the words the Lord commanded him to speak. And the Lord responded, uh, the people responded, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord, and the Lord said, I'm going to come down. Hey, imagine if Mr. Cameron and the European guys show up for the vote, and they don't get a chance to count it, because God has come down. I'm still crazy enough to believe that I will live to see a move of God and God come down. 
I'm coming to you in a dense cloud. So, and this is mind-blowing what he says here. So the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Wow, that's a freaky thing right away. I want all the guys to hear me speaking to you so they'll put their trust in you. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow, make them wash their clothes and be ready for the third day because on that Lord day, on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in sight of all the people. Put limits around the mountain and tell them, be careful, you don't approach the mountain or touch it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They're to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal should be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds, a blast make approach the mountain. Verse 14, after Moses had, had gone down the mountain with the people, we consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to them, prepare yourself and abstain from sexual relations for three days. Verse 16, on the morning of the third day, it happened. On the third day, the moment turned into a movement. On the moment of the third day, there was thunder and there was lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Turn it down about Joe's that trumpet blast. I don't mean this, by the way. You know, there was no earplugs in those days that I'm aware of. Everyone in the camp trembled. Imagine if God came down in the next two minutes in this way, a visitation from the living God. Mount Sinai, the picture of the mountain, is covered with smoke because the Lord descended on the mountain in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently as the sound of the people grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. A moment becomes a movement when God's glory comes down supernaturally. And impacts everybody. A moment becomes a movement. Now, we get touched by God. John Wimber, the great vineyard pastor, once said years ago, he called it gracelets. You know, you go to a meeting, go to a conference, and God comes down and touches your life, and that's marvelous. He called it like a little gracelet. But that's not what we're talking about here. A moment becomes a movement when God comes down supernaturally in all his glory. Now, let me just say something. Of all interpretations of glory, I enjoy Tim Keller's one. He describes the glory of God, and I'll repeat it twice so we can make a note, is the brilliant, infinite, greatness, power, beauty, and presence of God. The brilliant, infinite, greatness, power, and presence of God, God's glory. When was the last time God's glory showed up in your motor, your house, your prayer room, like this? 
Now, here's where it gets interesting. In 1 Peter 2, Peter takes the exact same words that God spoke to his people then and applied them to us. The exact same words that God spoke to his people in 1 Peter 2, you can turn there, verse 9. Peter begins to bring to the attention of you and I the exact same message that God brought to his people. So in other words, if we do what they did and believe what they believe, we will see that same move of God. It can mean no less. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, the same thing as God said to his people, bruised, battered people that gathered at Mount Sinai. He said, you're a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The exact same thing God said to his people at Sinai, he's saying to you and me, through Peter, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Now here's where the shift takes place. Here's where the shift takes place. Here's the moment. A moment turns to movement. A moment, second point, becomes a movement when you shift from being saved to being built. When you shift from being saved to being built. When God called his people together at Mount Sinai, he made a covenant with them. What was the covenant? The covenant was that there would be a level of commitment to him and to one another, and that God would be allowed to build them together. That was his covenant. And when we make that shift from just being saved, there are millions of believers sitting on Sunday morning watching George Meyer thinking they're saved and that's good. Well, unless they're crippled and they can't move from the house, it ain't good. I know people now, they're, they're so missional now, they, they, they're like, well, we're golfers, so we, we're going to play golf. We're going to play golf, and when we're there, we'll talk about Jesus, and that's a church. That's a missional movement. Well, that ain't a church. It may be good, and it's nice for men to get together, but it ain't a church. Millennials don't like institutions, but you know what? Jesus started an institution, and he put elders and laws and, and guidelines into it. And uh, you see, so many things are called communities now. When I was a kid, they were just called clubs. We had the railway club where railway men got together and talked choo-choo trains all night over a pint of lager. 
And then we had uh, ex-servicemen's clubs where you got together and discussed ex-servicemen's and things. And, and, but that ain't church. And uh, some people say, oh, well, I've heard it so many times. Church is just two or three people together. Well, where does it say that in the Bible? It says if two or three get together in my name, I'm in the midst. Nancy, it's a church. So we've got to be crystal clear and biblical when we look at those things. And, and um, the truth of the matter is that I'm greatly inspired, being honest with you, with a hunger and thirst in the millennial generation and in generation for the real thing and, and the search. And so I'm not knocking that. I'm just bringing what I'm seeing in Scripture that God shows up when his church make the shift from just being saved and showing up every second week and showing up when the European football's not on and showing up to the ladies if the food's right. Do you know how many men said to me when I said we're having a men's night, um, what kind of food are you having? <laughs> and I had that sinking feeling that whatever my answer was determined how many bums were going to be on the seats. But the truth of the matter is that when we gather together on a Thursday evening, you know, when we first met some of the founding members of this, there was never a sense of hard-heartedness. There was never a sense of limited commitment. It was like all or nothing. It was like if anything was happening, we're going to be there. And if two people were there, we're going to be there. Whatever it is, we didn't go, well, that's not my cup of tea, that's not my cup of tea, that's my coffee, that's not my coffee, that's this, that's this, that's this. There was no, we didn't have mix and, mix and mix. What do you call that sweetie thing? Pick and mix. Picks and mix. That's one for your pictures on the, the pictures on the thing where you could have picks and mix on for the ladies. In, in verse 4 it says this. Let's not miss this because I, I think there's so many people who are traveling the earth, and some are even preaching, and some are doing all kinds of things. But when you ask them, who are they built to? Who's building them? Who are they building with? The answers are very, very vague. Because the truth is, it ain't happening in so many instances. As you come to him, the Bible says, the living stone. That's a great name, isn't it? The living stone. Forget the rolling stones. The living stone. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones. Here's the shift, guys. Here's the shift. Are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture I say, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen person, a course on a stone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. When they made a people, when they made a covenant with God in one another to be joined like living stones and built together, there is no truth I know in the whole of Bible more under threat than this truth. Because in the last days, the Bible says something's going to happen. 
I'll tell you what that is in a minute. Some of you already know. But the outcome of it is nobody wants to be built anymore. Nobody wants to be joined anymore because I'm saved. I read my Bible. I do my thing. I decide where I go. I decide what's happening to me. What difference is that to before you were saved? And But God, whenever God's people covenant with him and build together, so it's a commitment. It's not the Bible actually uses the word devoted to one another. Imagine being married, and he shows up when he feels like it. He shows up what time he feels like it. He shows up how he feels like it, and he shows up smelling like he feels like it. That isn't what we see. A movement becomes a momentum when we apply the biblical principles. And back to what Mel said, church doesn't start when the band starts. It starts when you get together. It starts when you get to the men's breakfast or the ladies' thing. It starts. And so for donkey's years, our staff have worked their socks off to put a cup of tea on, maybe a scone, maybe a sandwich, and people pick and choose, like, well, that's the addition to the meeting. That ain't the addition. That is the church. Because when you sit across the table with somebody after a meeting and they've, their heart's been touched by God, they want to talk. They want to go, what, what, what was that fat Jimmy rabbit on about this week? What, what was happening? I'm annoyed, I'm upset, I'm blessed. And so church, so I want to encourage you. We've got people coming from other nations like Asia, and they have their traditions, weird traditions, like they don't like stinky Scottish food, so they don't come to the cafe when they come. Hey, it's got nothing. It's, it's, it's we're trying to create a context where you can come together and be built together in the love and the glory and presence of God and in these moments of sharing and these moments of worshiping and these moments of built together God begins to do something and if the people of God Mel used the word unity if the people of God will shift from um, unity by choice and friendship by choice and make the shift from simply being saved to being a living stone that's willing to allow God to build you into a community with people who's got rough edges on their stones and people that draws you nuts and people that, you know, Tim Keller said a beautiful thing. He says, the church does two things to you. It blesses you and antagonizes you. <laughs> And some people, well, they're not up for the antagonizing, so they avoid every instance where they may be antagonized. And so, you get a, the Bible describes us like a city on a hill, like a light on a hill. And that's what God's after.
Because this promise is not individual. It's not individual. It's corporate. It's a corporate promise. He didn't say you will be a royal priest. He didn't say you'd be a holy one. He says you will be a royal priesthood corporate. And there's so much emphasis on personal salvation. I'm saved and me and Jesus are all right and I can float. But you're completely missing 100%. The love that God has when his people gather together in unity and go further than visiting one another but are willing to lay their lives down for one another, devote themselves to one another, prefer one another, get excited about one another, and and. Pour your love into one another. Let's applaud the Lord God for that. Living stones. Living stones. Third one. A movement. A moment becomes a movement when our hearts are so ravished by God, we make a switch. Here it is. From me first to you first. The greatest switch you'll ever make as a Christian. You see, I have a friend who came on Thursday night, a man. His wife was battling cancer. She just got through it last year. A young, beautiful lady with some young kids. and We were celebrating a few months ago, and now it's back with a flood. How many people know that cancer is one of the most horrible, horrible, horrible things? To visit once, never mind twice. But there's a cancer. You see, I, I, a lot of people go, hey, I got saved. I got forgiven those few sins. I came to the cross. I followed Jesus. I go to church. Everything's cool. That ain't saved. That just made a wee religious decision. Saved is when God invades your hearts and you end up with a ravaged, ravaged heart and the cancer and by the way this cancer I see it every time I look in the mirror someone said on Thursday night that we have 5,000 human responses to shame usually to blame somebody but the last one is to look in the mirror (laughs) the last one we'll do and so, so the you here is collective. It's collective. We got millions of people running around, individuals doing their own thing. But that isn't what the scripture is talking about here. And to say a few prayers and good thing we, it's not enough, guys. Our hearts have be, to be ravished with the presence of God to where the cancer of me first is completely slaughtered at the cross and it's replaced. I believe a move of God will explode in our midst if we can make the shift from me first to you first. What if we had a curry at the next men's night And that's the last, you hate curries. But you get excited because you can use your money or use your time to make sure somebody else gets your curry. 
because it's no longer about me first. It's about you first. Imagine marriages in this, imagine couples walking down the aisle. We now have prenuptial agreements to make sure that there's a whole part of me you didn't get your paws on if this thing hits the fan. So we've now got laws and all kinds of things built in to make sure the me department is 100% protected. But imagine two people walking down the aisle with ravished hearts, hearts that are ravished with love for the contemplation of God. And everything they did in marriage was about you first. Could you imagine what would happen in families? You know, a couple of gay men came to me and over the times and said they were leaving, they, they were gonna, they're going to go off with another man. And they expected me to be blazing mad that because of the homosexual thing. Trust me, I'm not a fan of homosexuality, so it didn't exactly excite me. But you know what scared me? Do you know what scared me most? And I'm picking on homosexuals. I, I, I've had other men come and just decided they're going to leave their wife and kids. I'll tell you what scares me is the cancer. The cancer had come back. And it's the shocking, and I, I never thought I'd experience this. The absence of one ounce of the effect this is going to have on their wife and their children and their neighbors and their life group and their church and their workplace was 100% non-existent. I'm not even talking about 1%. Even if they said, oh, well, you know, I'm worried my kids. No, no, I'll just tell my kids some Disney stories and that'll come for them. And I sat there watching fathers tell the kids, explaining what they were going to do through a Disney story. Trust me, in that moment, the Spirit of God was not ruling in my heart. And I said, Lord, am I not allowed to put somebody's windies out just once? Because it's, and, and judges, you'll see it in courtrooms every day of the week, if you watch TV, you'll see it, where the judge will go, you know, your crime is, your crime is no the thing. That's bad enough. But the biggest crime is, you don't have one single ounce of response. Now, we should not be shocked by that if we understand this. The moment you step into the me first world, anything goes. And that sense of community salvation, corporate salvation, community love, building together, the devastation on others in your family and the community, that is the thing that upset me more than anything and confused me how a good man of God, three, two, three, four, five kids, could suddenly allow that cancer to come back. And it's a very simple cancer. And yet, when I'm judging, I'm looking in the mirror and I see all the traits of it in myself. Someone calls me for dinner. I'm checking the news first to see if the pars are playing that day first. Now, you'd never do a thing like that, I know. But, or I'm checking, you know, oh, 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 hold a minute. My great granny's budgie's having a birthday that day. 
And in our family, budgies are everything. We just celebrate budgies. And, and, and that cancer. But the great, I love it when people send me quotes. I love it when they're hundreds of years old. A couple of beautiful people sent me beautiful quotes. I got dozens and dozens of great stuff sent this week, but I'm homing in a couple of quotes. One by Thomas Watson, it says this, the first fruit of love is the musing of the mind upon God. He who's in love, his thoughts are ever upon the object. He who loves God is ravished and transported with the contemplation of God. He who loves God is ravished, transported with the contemplation of God. When I'm awake, I am still with thee. The thoughts are as travelers in the mind. David kept his thoughts. Heaven wrote, I'm still with thee. God is the treasure. Where is the treasure? There is the heart. By this we may test our love for God. What are thoughts most upon? Can we say, hey, by the way, don't take this as one ounce of condemnation because that's not where I'm coming from. Take this as a stirring and a fire and encouragement the way it's intended. What are your thoughts? Can we say we are ravished with delight when we think on God? I would extend that to, can we say we are ravished with delight when you hear there's a ladies' opportunity gathered together, when there's a men's opportunity to gather together, when there's a family thing, I heard you cheer with a family one, that's great. You know, can we say our hearts are ravished with delight in these moments? Have our thoughts got wings? Have they fled aloft? Do we contemplate Christ in glory? And how far are they from God? being lovers of God, who scarcely ever think of God. God is not in all his thoughts, Psalm 10, verse 4. A sinner crowds God out of his thoughts. He never thinks of God unless with horror, as the prisoner thinks of the judge. Some of you need to get the tapes and re-listen to them. I've got to read some of these things ten times to understand them, but they're good. John Hoyland, he's another beauty I've sent. I'll give you a little piece of this. It's beautiful. Another day is dawned wherein God bids us to live eternal life. Another day is dawned where God bids us to live eternal life. Shake loose the bonds of time and death. Step clear from the iron chains of fate into his dominion, his own perfect home of freedom, light, and joy. True freedom, light, and joy flood our beings when we obey God. Yes, to get saved, but go the whole hog and be willing to be built and devoted and committed to laying our lives down for one another and allow God to build us together. We invite God to break the chains of the me first cancer and get obsessed with a contemplation of God, his presence, and his glory. Romans 12.10 doesn't miss it. It says, 
It says, in the Greek it says, show up when you feel like it. <laughs> in Hebrew it says, do as little as you need to to get by. That's a duff joke, by the way. It says in English, be devoted to one another in love. And here's the, here's, here's the killer. Here's the you first thing. Here's the you first thing. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. So we show up on men's night because there may be somebody. A man walked in here for the first time, traveled over an hour to get here. Five and a half years ago, he said, my wife, was having a two-year affair. I challenged her for two years, but she denied it. But after two years, I found out. I don't think I'll ever get married again, he said. That's what he said when he walked in the door. I was so thrilled that men had come and men had sat with them. Honoring above Another night by the fire. Another night that suits me. Sure, there are many things. Let me tell you something. I'm not going to use the word schizophrenic, but I'm definitely two people. There are times where I can't get enough of company and I love being in a crowd. There are other times where I'm the worst introvert on the planet where and I'm the worst person to be in hospital. I almost get offended if somebody comes to visit me. <laughs> Isn't that sick? But it's true. It's true. I know you're in the hospital, Hannah. You, you meet all kinds. But people come to see me and I'm like, I'm minging. I've no wash for three days. I'm grumpy. My whole nose and mouth stuffed with about three meters of bandages. I can hardly breathe, never mind talk. I don't want to see nobody. So, there's a mixture. But when it comes to a move of God, none of that is relevant. It becomes the greatest switch of your whole life that in every situation, in every invitation, in every opportunity come and have lunch with us, every single thing is a decision to make. It says in Judges 21, verse 25, in those days there wasn't any king. Everyone had cancer. That's my interpretation. Everyone did what was right in their eyes. You may be the most holy person going. You may be the most righteous person. You may be the most knowledgeable person going. But if you're on a me trip, you're missing it. If you're not, God comes for community. He comes with a corporate blessing and a corporate visitation. He comes to bless his people. And that's the reason, despite all its scars and all its spots and blemishes, I have absolutely loved and adored the church in all its shapes and forms, well, most of it, for more than 40 years, as many of you have done and you have showed up even when you don't feel like showing up and when you think, well, man, 
but you showed up because just in case, just in case there was somebody else needing honor, somebody else needed the touch of the love of God. I'm going to finish with this. Could the band just come up, please? If it meant, if it meant, if it meant we could see God come and touch the millions of people who don't know him, that he could come and set the cripples free and he could come and heal every heart. If we could see a move of God that sets every child free from trafficking, would you be willing to make the shift like 100%? Would you be willing? I know you've been beat up and discouraged and you showed up and they didn't, they, you know, they, you did your thing and you heard somebody say it was naff as they walked down. You sang your best song and they fell asleep. And, you know, God always sends you one person every week to fall asleep, every, every week, just to keep you humble. I got some experts at sleeping while I'm preaching, but I don't judge them because some of these people have been up all night or working for Jesus seven days flat out. They're tired. That's all right. Somebody needs to sleep when I'm preaching. I say, have a sleep. Take, you take. It's not a problem. It's not what it's about. Whatever it is for you. I honestly believe with all my heart that when the people made that covenant, when Peter said to us, you living stones, he's the cornerstone. And if you allow him to build you together, build you together in unity. Everybody has an idea. Everybody has an idea how this should be done or what we should be doing and how it should be going. But there's only one question. What is God's big idea? What does he want us to do? And one thing for certain is he didn't die for nothing. He didn't go to the cross for nothing. He got himself tore apart so those people that were tore apart could come back together again as one. Can we stand in the presence of God, guys? Can we sing that, um, or what, what we're going to sing, George? Whatever we want. Then he asked me that, George. Our God reigns. Eh? Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Why don't we finish with our God reigns? And why don't we go, why don't we go God, Brexit, or Brentry, ain't going to solve nothing. It, it, it's like shifting the deck chairs. I'm not going to hide the fact I'm voting out. Because I believe, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to impose my beliefs on nobody. I'm just saying what I'm doing and I'm, and I'm not judging anybody who's doing the opposite and everybody's their own views and you go with that and be blessed with that. That's how, you, that's where you're at. But my money's not being in or out. My money's on visitation. And I want to ask you to join with me in a very simple prayer. And I want to thank every single one of you for your commitment to Jesus and to each other. Some of you have slaved and labored. And sometimes, to be honest, you just get tired. It's not you don't show up because you don't care. You do care, but you're just like, I'm just a bit beat up and tired and I'm in that season. But I'm believing for a fresh wave of love 
for Jesus. Ravished hearts contemplating God, but ravished hearts that contemplate each other to the level. I know you're devoted to his word. Oh, I know that, and that's great. I know you're devoted to God. Oh, that's great. I know you're devoted to your, your, your wife and kids, and that's great. I'm calling for a biblical devotion in the Vine Church like we've never seen. Now, maybe we have seen it in glimpses, but, but that somehow God would hear our desperate cry and respond to it and light the touch paper. And then maybe we could rename the moment. Rename the moment. He said, if we don't do it, he's going to cause the stones to do it. <laughs> He'll cause the stones. Why don't we say, God, Europe is desperate. The traffic kids are desperate. The lost are desperate. We are desperate. Everybody has a good testimony of some sort. But one of our testimony was, I'm cancer-free. One of our testimony was, I'm never again going to make a decision about attending nothing or doing nothing on what would suit me. I've got to make that switch. Let's raise our hands high to heaven. If nothing else, just to get a good stretch. You've been sitting a long time. I'm going to say a short prayer. And then I'm just going to ask George to play us out. We'll sing, and if you, if you need to go, go and get the kids, that's fine. But he's just going to play us out. Father God, I want to thank you for the precious brothers and sisters who stood with us on day one, believing for a move of God. Beautiful, faithful saints. And those who have joined with us down through the years, those here today, we pray you'll bless every single church in Fife and Scotland, bless every believer, whatever journey they're on. But we're asking in this moment, God, that you bring an end. And if you don't have any of that kind of cancer, me first in your heart, that's okay. Don't, don't go away feeling, oh, blah, blah. But hey, let's dig deep, guys. Let's dig deep. Let's rethink church. Let's reimagine church. Let's rethink a move of God. Let's reimagine a radical move outpouring of the living God so we could rename the moment the moment that God showed up because we were willing to covenant again with him and with one another we were willing to come into agreement with him and with one another we were willing to pre prefer him and prefer one another we we're willing to devote ourselves once and again and to one another break the chains God and let that eternal presence come break every chain every chain of the me first cancer every chain God of the me first apathy every chain of the me first disappointment every chain of where I've reigned where you need to reign I thank you you saved me God but I've been honest I've kept to myself sometimes. I've hidden sometimes. 
I've been in the desert sometimes. I tried that building thing and a brick landed on my head. But I'm willing, God. I'm willing. I'm willing because I'm desperate. I'm desperate to see a move of God in this nation, in this city, in this church like never before. And I repent, oh God, of every single ounce of the me first cancer. And I pray, oh God, that you would ravish my heart in this moment. So my contemplation of you, my love and adoration of you, goes through the roof in such a way, God, I will do anything. I'll go any place and I will build and allow you to build me into the community that is ready to welcome a fresh visitation of the presence, the power of the living God. And we would see that presence and that visitation, that power flow like a river to our families and friends and neighbors, husbands, wives, children every man, woman, and child in this nation and in Europe. We pray for our leaders making big, 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 huge decisions in Europe in this moment because you told us to pray for them. My heart prayer would be very same. Deliver whoever from whatever cancer and may they put you first in their decision and put the people first. Father God, would you rain down once again in our hearts, in our church, in our city, in our nation. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't you give somebody a quick five-five, a hug, and, and 